Hey guys, we are recording uh, the debrief. I just forgot what this is called, David. So many <laughs> podcast episodes. This is our episode after the shark from Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. Uh, really cool episode with Kevin. I'm like, once again, just like our episode with Mark Cuban, super surprised at uh, his depth. Like he's actually using these protocols. He's actually doing things about it. And like, I, I think sometimes people in crypto are a little quick to judge outsiders, right? Yeah. And of course, Kevin O'Leary is a celebrity investor. Back in 2017, he said, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing, but like crypto was a scam, like crypto is a bubble, it's never gonna happen. I think a lot of the crypto community got a bad taste in their mouth about that episode. And now he's kind of coming back uh, in the last two or three years into crypto investing. And some people are like, well, is this just uh, another you know, celebrity trying to be opportunistic about the space? And I gotta tell you, David, I didn't see that at all. I, I saw a 67-year-old a investor who is sharp as a tack, who knows how to use MetaMask, is doing yield farming, okay, and actually has a good approach to his portfolio of investments this space. Overweight Bitcoin ETH, right? Obviously, that makes sense. Also, 32 other crypto projects, right, including projects like, like Polygon, looking at the Solana ecosystem as well. Like, very impressive. And also, I would say, the cherry on top for me with, with Kevin and why I'm a fan coming out of this episode is because he's actually fighting for crypto in Congress. Our and he's reaching, I, you said this in the intro, David, but he is reaching corners that uh, bankless just can't reach yeah. because we can't speak that language yet right. or we don't speak that language. Or like, there's always going to be a dem demographic that respects getting on an NBC TV series more than having a, you know, a janky old podcast like Bankless, right? And so he's going to be able to open doors that we cannot. And it's going to take all of us, if we want crypto to invade and go mainstream and become a base layer bankless money system for the entire world, we need advocates. We need people like Kevin. There's my, uh, there's my rant on why I'm excited coming out of that, David. What are yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, love it. There's so many things about the crypto industry that got like rejected in the last two or three years. Like GameFi was just rejected by the gaming industry. Like NFTs were rejected by like the art world. It's like, like all, all of your guys' stuff is legit, illegitimate. And basically like my, my theory on this is like, it's a natural organic pushback on like all of the permabulls saying like, NFTs are gonna completely revolutionize art. And then like the artists come and look at NFTs and like, this isn't helping me at all. Like you, you <laughs> like go back to the drawing board and figure it out. Cause right now it looks like a scam. And so like the, the message here is that parts, that, that's what Kevin O'Leary saw when he came into crypto in 2017. It was like, yeah. this stuff is all scams and gross. And I don't want have to have anything to do with it. And my compliance department hates it. And yeah, and like, I just can't touch it. Like it's gonna taint my brand. There's nothing here for me. But then in 2021 crypto, like all of a sudden he sees everything because we fixed all those problems in the bear market. We actually answered to those issues of like the wild west just being a bunch of ICOs without any real utility. Then comes DeFi in 2020, he was like, oh, there actually is real utility here. And all of a sudden Kevin's like, oh, there's some real stuff here. And so not only does he start like dabbling, he goes all in. Like he diversifies yeah. across the whole entire industry from buying the monies like Bitcoin and ETH to starts yield farming with stables and starts private investing and buying equities uh, all the way to the point of actually like fighting for our industry in Congress. And so like Kevin got like the biggest 180 in, the, in a very short amount of time for being crypto skeptics to being a crypto evangelizer uh, and like actually pushing forward good thoughtful legislation on Capitol Hill. So like a lot of people in the crypto, like crypto natives are like, ah, celebrities, I don't want celebrities 
celebrities in my industry. It's like, okay, are you going to go to Capitol Hill and like influence the hearts and minds of regulators? Because that's what Kevin's doing. Uh, and so like this is just a, an illustration of this like crypto earning its stripes by finding and, and convincing better and better evangelists to fight for us. And it's slowly how crypto wins ultimately. Totally. And I, I actually am pretty convinced he's here to stay, too. Yes. Uh, I, I don't think this is a kind of an opportunistic thing of like, you know, and also what's really interesting to me is you kind of wonder how he made that transformation from 2017, where zero percent of his portfolio was in crypto, like or, you know, maybe a super de minimis amount to now over 20 percent of his portfolio was recently in crypto over 20 percent. And like, you know, some of you guys listening are still going to be like, oh, those are rookie numbers. Not for someone who's 67, okay? Not for someone who was incredibly skeptical and right. doubled down on their position back in 17, calling this space like a farce and kind of a bubble and in toppy and a scam. And I was also impressed with the, um, just the, the 180, the uh, ability to admit where he was wrong. It kind of reminds me of the episode we did with uh, DHH, mm. where, uh, you know, he came on the podcast and he was like, hey, for a long time, I was wrong about crypto. Right. And this one catalyst, for, for him, it was the suppression of bank accounts in Canada with you know, the kind of the, the, trucker, um, uh, the trucker protests that sort of changed his mind. You kind of wonder what, what, what changed Kevin's mind, but also the fact that he did change his mind is now come out publicly and saying, hey, I was wrong. Most people don't do that. Most human beings like just double down on their positions and go find you know something else to do, but but here's Kevin kind of through his investments and also his words admitting that uh, he saw the space incorrectly. But I kind of wondered, do you think behind the scenes there was some conversation? Like, what do you think changes someone's mind? Is it just using it? Is it you know he, he was talking to Mark Cuban about it one day on Shark Tank and uh, other smart people convinced him? What do you think it takes to to do a 180 like that? That's a fascinating psych study. Yeah, so I think it's a similar answer to the question I asked him about, like, what's it going to take for us to get around the obstacles in Congress? And his answer was education. In 2017 and 2018, like, there were zero crypto educators, right? They're, like, what, what's one crypto educator that is still around from 2018 and 20, uh, 2017? I think it's, like, Andreas Antonopoulos, but even he's quieted down. Andreas is good. Also, um, what is the name of the podcast? Um, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Now with us, uh, Sunny and some of the Cosmos folks. Oh yeah, Epicenter. Yes, Epicenter. Epicenter, of right. course. I'm so yes. sorry, Epicenter, for forgetting. Yeah, like, no, I, Epicenter it, was also a staple in my 2017-2018. I binged yeah. hard on right. Epicenter. Every and that was episode, fantastic yeah. education, particularly yeah. for the time. Anyways, uh, education has gotten a lot better. Uh, I will uh, not to shill ourselves too hard, but like we've, I think we've had a part of that story. Uh, Anthony Cezano at the Daily Gray. Overall, just like better education has helped people understand. Uh, things that they would have otherwise been skeptical on. Uh, and like, I, I think people, and we saw this in Mark Cuban too, where like, they kind of just need like one little reason to be piqued and yeah. then they go down the rabbit hole. And I think that's yeah. what happened with Kevin. I think he's mostly self-educated and did his own research by talking to people. But Thank the you. education in 20, like the content of education 2019 and beyond had real things to talk about. Like if you tried to educate people on in, on crypto in 2017, you'd be like, well, here's the, like this ICO movement where the, like they raise all this money and like, and people are just gonna be like, well, what the hell is this shenanigans? But I in 2020 I, I, and 2019, like you can say like, okay, there's this thing called Uniswap. It's a brand new way to exchange. Uh, and there's actually like fundamental things to educate people about and real reasons to get peaked. I totally agree with that. It's, 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 it's lack of education, certainly, but it's also, be, you know, 
lack of applications, lack right. of verbs. Surface that you area for edu- good education, right? What was the thing you could do in 2017? You could right. buy an ICO, right. or you could buy Bitcoin or Ether, right. speculate on that. You could or you give could someone else your money. ICO. Exactly. And so, like, no wonder. And it, you know, for people who didn't dig deeper than that uh, and didn't kind of understand the potential of this, that's sort of where they stopped. But now, what are the things you can do? And it only takes, like, one use case to convert someone. Mm-hmm. I wonder if for someone like Kevin, it was like, oh, wow, stable coins plus yield. Right. I have a lot of cash sitting around. I And it is... Uh, like getting wrecked because of inflation, I would like to pick up some of that 15% yield because the savings accounts in in a bank are completely broken. Maybe for him it was something like that. Like for me- Yield wasn't a thing in 2018. Yield only barely started beginning in 2019. Couldn't do it. And for other people, it'll be uh, NFTs, right? It's like they didn't see the potential of crypto until they saw that incredible thing that they wanted to collect online and that that piece of digital property that they wanted to own and the utility that that unlocked for a specific community they were into so it's back to the point that we've um we've made and you've talked about quite a lot which is the surface area for crypto has expanded and it only take it's just like about getting a like kind of a magic moment um when you're using crypto that's what ultimately converts you like for me, it was opening a CDP. I was like, yep. oh my, this is yep. a make your collateralized deposit. You're super nerdy, right? But I was like, oh, I can take out a God, loan. That, that OG without a UI was bank. so broken, dude. Oh, yeah. And I did, I, like, I did that and I was like, this is incredible. That did right. it for me. It's not going to do it for other people. Like, they're not geeky, nerdy into it, that, but something else will. And as soon as they have that magic moment, then they'll be like, oh, right. now, now I understand. Right. And right. it will compel them to go down the, the rabbit hole and get educated. Right, and the number of uh, things like this, like you alluded to, is just like growing exponentially at this point. Uh, well, yeah. One of the lines I always say is like, crypto's got something for everyone. And if it doesn't have something for you yet, it will in the future. Uh, and like Kevin, who I think is perpetually like more or less on the frontier in a, in a particular way, he's not on the degen frontier, he is on the compliance frontier. That's what he's doing. Like he is a compliant, he's pushing the frontier of compliance. All right, when his answer was like, oh, what is my brand in crypto? I'm the compliance brand. And so like the degen frontier in crypto is getting super big. Like you can't be a degen on all things. You can't be an NFT degen and also a yield farming degen. It's too complex. You got to pick one, you got to specialize. Uh, Kevin O'Leary is on like the compliance frontier as in he is pushing forward the frontier of good crypto regulation and making sure that his companies that he is an investor in, like operator of, are doing the most degen level things that compliance can allow for uh and that is like a more um, a smaller concentric circle of the broader crypto world where like the outside frontier is like super degen like rug, rug pull ten thousand percent apy like goblin nfts and then the inner <laughs> inner circle of compliance is much tighter it's like uscc with like two percent yield but like uscc with two percent yield is really attractive to a lot of funds uh, and so like that, that's where I, I see Kevin O'Leary is like, he is the frontier pusher of the compliant crypto world. I think there's, there's an exercise in brand management here too. And there's an exercise in like figuring out what your niche is going to be in crypto. Uh, so listen how quickly Kevin responded. Right. He didn't list I noticed five that things too. I'm interested it, it, in. There was no like, freaking... oh yeah, um, okay. And then here's my answer. It was like, yeah, right and off I'm the like, bat. I'm dabbling in this. It's, no, compliance. Right. I want to be the bridge between, and even when you asked him about legislation, he was just like, there's all sorts of things we could do. 
I, I want to pick one, put all of my ammo behind that one thing, and that is stablecoin. Like, so I think there's an exercise in like focus and branding. When you come into crypto, there will be all sorts of different distract distractions. And I, I think my encouragement for someone coming into crypto, whether whether you're kind of intermediate or you're, or you're new, or even if you're seasoned, is go broad at first. Make sure you understand all of the different pieces. Like, look at the NFT community. Look what's going on there. Look at GameFi. Look at DeFi. Look at DGen circles. Look at kind of the product. Like, go broad first, right? Uh, but don't stay broad. Don't stay broad forever, okay? What you have to do is you have to find your niche and you have to find your specialization and you have to get to the point with your own personal career in Web3 where when someone asks you, what are you here to do in crypto? Your answer is like, boom, compliance. It's like, it's like that. And that, I think the industry is, is, is so young that you can find your niche and it can become absolutely massive over time if you carve that out for yourself. Like, I, I feel like for, for us, David, um, we do have a very specific focus with Bankless, which is like, when someone asks, what are you here to do? I'm like, uh, crypto? It's in the name. I'm here to help <laughs> the world go bankless. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's in the name, right? Literally. But also, we've had to specialize as consumers right. of crypto. You and I have had to specialize in specific areas because we there was a time where we could understand everything that was going on in the space like i knew, like we knew all the DeFi right. projects we knew there was all like the one nft thing projects a week he's like happened. all investors right <laughs> now like you and i tend to focus more on kind of protocol layer stuff that's sort of what we're interested in and, and kind of the, like the base level stuff and we have other people within bankless who focus on other areas but like just encouraging that specialization and that knowing why you're here and that focus i think right. can be super valuable as as people are trying to parse all of the noise in crypto Right. And, and also there's a lesson with uh, making sure you get that first dub, like the first win. Like if you sh throw all of your yes. ammo into one thing and you're going to make that thing more likely to win. Right. And so if we just focus on one thing, which is stablecoin legislation, that turns into an early victory, which can snowball. Right. And so like, Ryan, like, guess what my, er my early victory was in crypto? Are you going to tell me it's uh, Ray Blocks? Like you said on the last debrief. Oh yeah, I mean, call not Rayblocks. No, sorry, it's it was, yeah, it was Rayblocks, but like Nano. But you're talking about like trading, and that was like uh, one win after like a sea of losses. And so no, is it Maker? So, like, is it Maker or ETH? No, it was it was writing articles. It was writing content oh. <laughs> about Maker, right? And so like the first time I was like, okay, this is a win that I had, which was like I wrote an article about Maker, and it got like it blew like it went like I was I was no one, right? I thought I was I was maybe I was gonna get like 15 readers, and I got like 1500. And I was like, wait, that's something that only I won at. And then boom, like media company. Uh, and so like the, Find the, the thing that you're winning at and then right. double down on that thing, right. but test a lot of things until yeah. you find the thing that is right. hitting. But like, yeah, ready. just make sure, make sure that like when you have ident you can identify what you're good at and how to turn that into a win because then that, that creates good habits, right? Like got the dopamine rush. Uh, and so like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like Kevin O'Leary goes to Congress and like gets that stablecoin regulation win. And all of a sudden he becomes got the, the guy that won the stablecoin legislation. Like, oh, not, yeah. not to it's... take any credit from Cynthia Lummis, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but just like, you know, how, like Kevin O'Leary helped push stablecoin regulation through. And all of a sudden that, that he talked about his brand, right? And so like, he's probably in Congress uh, fighting for stablecoin legislation. So if they can get that W, he can be like, I'm the guy that pushed forward compliance stablecoin regulation. Sure, That's why you sure. should invest with me. 
It's also, here's the other thing, what you did with your maker article and your writings, right, is you're also signaling to others that this is what you're interested in and they right. start coming to you. So like you and I met right. actually right. through the maker articles. Because you read my maker read. articles. Because I read it and I was like, oh, wow, this is a really cool take on maker. Uh -huh. What do I know about this writer, David? Oh, he can write well. He can articulate, like he's got, you know, good, good analogies, good ability to, to weave metaphors in. He's also interested in this whole decentralized money thing that mm -hmm. very few people are paying attention to at the time. Uh -huh. And so what happened, I was like, oh, cool. Also, he's, he's been telling me to start a podcast for the last six months. Yeah, well, that was later. <laughs> but like, I, I was just like, okay, this is someone I want to do more with. So you're signal So what Kevin's doing when he says compliance and stable coins is he's mm -hmm. signaling to everyone else who's doing something in the compliance and stablecoin project that uh, they should have Kevin on their team, right? And so if I'm starting a new compliance stablecoin product, I'm like, well, you know, Kevin would make a great like investor. And so that's what he just did in our podcast is right. by focusing and having a clear, coherent uh, brand strategy and message of something he wanted to accomplish and by articulating that to the world on a platform like Bankless, he is now going to attract so many more people to his cause and will expose himself to countless number of opportunities. It's um, kind of a hidden force, I think, that uh, people who are really good at branding actually uh, exercise and, and flex a lot. And I would say Kevin is really good at branding. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, I have no further thoughts. <laughs> well, uh, what do you think about this, um, this idea that stablecoin uh, legislation is the first thing to focus on? Um, do you like that? I mean, there's so many problems we have in crypto, mm -hmm. but like, wh what about that roadmap or that path he laid out? Oh yeah, like I, I mean, I'm totally pilled by his strategy. Like it's the easiest bit of legislation to get people on board with, regulators and congressmen on board with, congressmen and, and women. Um, and just like, because like the pitch is so simple. It's just like, do you want to be the native fiat currency of the internet? Because like this is your opportunity and don't miss out on that because otherwise it's going to be China. Yeah, so like exactly. striking FOMO into regulators, so like, oh, wait, we better do this. Uh, but then also as a result of triggering FOMO in regulators, you also unlock like floodgates of capital into crypto. So it's like such an easy win to take to the to take back take home, right? Uh, and so like I, I'm totally on board with the strategy. What about if they screwed up though, David? So let's say let's say it becomes a thing where now decentralized stablecoins are not allowed. And so mm. if you want to call yourself a stablecoin and you want to be pegged to the dollar, then you have you to have you have to be a bank, right? right. So like there is a world where it starts to become as regulation has a tendency to become not just clarity, which is what we hope for, right. uh, it becomes incumbent protection, right? right? And so we're creating the winners for the stablecoin market and we're already saying they're gonna be like stablecoin or uh, Coinbase and Circle and uh, we're precluding and limiting opportunity for like, that is the darker side of regulation and bad legislation that could come out of this whole process as well. What are right. your thoughts? Yeah, um, definitely, certainly a fear. I don't have too, my thoughts on that aren't too sophisticated, but so I'll, I'll kind of redirect with a different angle. I, I'm kind of down just to like give Congress uh, like a compromise of just like, we just won't do algo stable coins. Just like, let us have decentralized stable coins and just outright ban algo stable coins and we'll call that good because like, I don't know, I, I'm supposed to be bankless, we're supposed to be better than the regulators, we can do whatever we want, but like if they banned algo stablecoins and like told the industry like you're not allowed to do algo stablecoins, I'd be like, 
fine. I will not do algo stable coins. And I think that would be a net positive. And like, well, but, but, but as, like, I think know, when coming... you're saying that you're thinking of Luna. Okay. Yeah. And, but when they're saying that they might be thinking of die and they might be thinking of well, rye and they might, well, okay. But like, this is what I'm saying is sometimes in this process, a brush will be painted so wide that it will right. protect incumbents. And, um, like, what I really am hopeful through this process is I, I feel very strongly that the the parts of a DeFi stablecoin that are centralized should be regulated. Yes. But the parts that are not should not be regulated. Right. And so if you look at something like Luna, the fact that LFG was holding right. massive fund. amounts of money right. off-chain, right. right? There's no transparency as to what, like, who had access to that money, what they could do with the money. It was, it was completely off chain. Like that to me is a centralized function that should be regulated. Right. Now, if they apply that same idea to something like Frax, where you have, it's completely on chain, you've got your audit trail intact, right? Like, and you say, no, Frax is, c cannot be allowed to do this. It has to go through all of these hoops and that sort of thing. To me, that would be like bad regulation and kills a super promising experience, uh, experiment and hampers uh, U.S. innovation in stablecoins and is a net bad thing, right? So my, my, my problem or my concern is that they're not educated smart enough to like weave that thread. And also there will be entrenched interests that try to shape this. I mean, right. do, do Frax and Dai have the lobby power? I mean, no, Circle and Coinbase do, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that's my fear going into the process too. So it's kind of like eyes wide open as to what this could turn into as well. There are some parts of like the regulatory environment that all the crypto industry really wants is for certain precedents to be extrapolated and extended. Like uh, the, what we want to have happen as the crypto industry is that if you can be regulated, you should be regulated. And if you can't be regulated because you're decentralized, you shouldn't be regulated, right? And so we don't want regulators to come and try and, and regulate MakerDAO because MakerDAO is actually meaningfully decentralized. We do want regulators to go and regulate Circle because it is actually decentral, uh, actually exactly. centralized. And that there is, there's actually precedent for this where like, the reason why there are securities laws is because when there's a, a security is something that has a central party that has privy, uh, privileged information and there's a information asymmetry. The reason why Bitcoin and Ether are not securities is because they are decently decentralized to the point where there is no information asymmetry. Also, like why the Ethereum all core dev calls are like how to, held in the open and like Ethereum has the brand of building inside out, right? Building out in the open. Uh, and so like there is no information asymmetry on the Ethereum in the Ethereum world about the Ethereum protocol. There's no information asymmetry about Bitcoin. There's also no information asymmetry about MakerDAO and DAI because their forums are public, their Discord's public, anyone can hop in and see what the DAO is building. It's and this is true chain. for like most DAOs. And so because there is no information asymmetry, because of the properties of decentralization, there is no need to regulate that because what is regulation do? It's supposed to protect people. If there's no information asymmetry, there's no reason to, there's no like, uh, there's no malicious actors, right? Now on the Terra and Luna side of things, for example, the LFG was a centralized entity. Like Doquan kind of called the shots on any, any, everything. That thing should have been regulated because it was not decentralized. Even though like the whole branding of like Terra and Luna was like, it's a decentralized stablecoin. And like, no, it's not. 
it's a centralized stablecoin uh, that's algorithmic. And so that thing, because it has the capability of being regulated, if it has the capability of being regulated, it means that there is information asymmetry somewhere, and then we do deserve the regulation. Uh, but so, it, you see why that's tricky, though, is like the crypto the crypto community can't even define what's was, decentralized and what's not. Right. That's because there's like bad actors like Do Kwan, who's like who also really needs the Terra ecosystem to be decentralized so he can escape persecution. Right. Uh, and so like they, that's when like crypto grifters come in and say, oh, it's decentralized, even though they are the person that holds the keys. No, I know why. It's just it's just that's where it all gets blurred and mixed right. together. And so right. you worry about regulation that's over broad right. and kills all of the promising like DeFi experiments. And uh, yeah, it's just something I hope that um, it's a, tough beast. a needle that we're able to thread. Um, but certainly something like like Tether, I mean, they should have to uh, right. prove Tether what their reserve right assets are going to be. And I think everyone in crypto would actually agree with that, right? Um, right. Let's, let's have more, you know, auditing of what's backing, uh, you know, UST, uh, USDT, right. excuse me. Um, UST is not, uh, not doing so well on the backing no. front these days. No. Um, quite, anything quite else, zero. anything else you want to pull from that app? Um, uh, I think like after we stopped recording, he was like, great questions, guys. I don't think he really knew who Bankless is or who, I don't think he's listened to us before, but like now that, you know, we ask good questions. And so I think he's coming on back. I, I, how did, how, I want a longer um, episode with him. How do you get educated on crypto without Bankless? How did he do it, David? Yeah, yeah that was it's our first question for him. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, well, I guess that's it. We got, the, you know, the sharks. Maybe we'll have Cuban back someday. And mm -hmm. um, thanks for listening to The Debrief, folks. Bye.